Habit two, begin with the end in mind. Control your own destiny or someone else will. Would you tell me please which way I ought to walk from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way to walk, said the cat, from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. You've just been asked to put together a jigsaw puzzle. Having done many such puzzles before, you're excited to get started. You pour out all 1,000 pieces, spreading them out across a large table. You then pick up the lid to the box to look at what you're putting together. But there's no picture. It's blank. How will you ever be able to finish the puzzle without knowing what it looks like, you wonder? If you only had a one-second glimpse of what it's supposed to be, that's all you'd need. What a difference it would make. Without it, you don't have a clue where to even start. Now think about your own life and your 1,000 pieces. Do you have an end in mind? Do you have a clear picture of who you want to be one year from now, five years from now, or are you clueless? Habit two, begin with the end in mind, means developing a clear picture of where you want to go with your life. It means deciding what your values are and setting goals. Habit one says you are the driver of your life, not the passenger. Habit two says, since you're the driver, decide where you want to go and draw up a map to get there. Now wait just a minute, Sean, you might be thinking. I don't know what my end in mind is. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. If it makes you feel any better, I'm grown up and I still don't know what I want to be. By saying begin with the end in mind, I'm not talking about deciding every little detail of your future, like choosing your career or deciding who you'll marry. I'm simply talking about thinking beyond today and deciding what direction you want to take with your life so that each step you take is always in the right direction. Begin with the end in mind, what it means. You may not realize it, but you do it all the time. Beginning with the end in mind, that is. You draw up a blueprint before you build a house. You read a recipe before you bake a cake. You create an online outline before you write a paper. At least I hope you do. It's part of life. Let's have a begin with the end in mind experience right now using your tool of imagination. Find a place where you can be alone without interruption. There, now clear your mind of everything. Don't worry about school, your friends, your family, or that zit on your forehead. Just focus with me, breathe deeply, and open your mind. In your mind's eye, visualize someone walking toward you about half a block away. At first, you can't see who it is. As this person gets closer and closer, you suddenly realize, believe it or not, that it's you. But it's not you today. It's you as you would like to be one year from now. Now, think deeply. What have you done with your life over the past year? How do you feel inside? What do you look like? What characteristics do you possess? Remember, this is you as you would like to be one year from now. You can float back to reality now. If you were a good sport and actually tried this experiment, you probably got in touch with your deeper self. You get got a feel for what's important to you and what you'd like to accomplish this next year. That's called the beginning with the end in mind, and it doesn't even hurt. 
As Jim discovered, beginning with the end in mind is a powerful way to help turn your dreams into realities. When I feel frustrated or get depressed, I have found something that really helps me. I go someplace where I can be alone, and then I close my eyes and I visualize mentally where I want to be and where I want to go when I'm an adult. I try to see the whole picture of my dream life, and then I automatically begin to think about what it's going to take to get there, what I need to change. This technique started when I was in a ninth grader, and today I'm on my way to making some of those visualizations become a reality. In fact, thinking beyond today can really be quite exciting. And as this high school senior attests, can help you take charge of your life. I've never planned a thing in my life. I just do things as they pop up. The thought that one should have an end in mind never ever entered my mind. It has been so exciting to learn because I suddenly find myself thinking beyond the now. I am now not only planning my education, but also thinking about how I want to raise my kids, how I want to teach my family, and what kind of home life we should have. I'm taking charge of me and not blowing in the wind anymore. Why is it so important to have an end in mind? I'll give you two good reasons. The first is that you are at a critical crossroads in life and the paths you choose now can affect you forever. The second is that if you don't decide your own future, someone else will do it for you. The crossroads of life. Let's take a look at the first important reason. So here you are, you're young, you're free, you have your whole life before you. You're standing at the crossroads of life and you have to choose which paths to take. Do you want to go to college or graduate school? What will your attitude toward life be? Should you try out for that team? What type of friends do you want to have? Will you join a gang? Who will you date? Will you have sex before marriage? Will you drink, smoke, do drugs? What values will you choose? What kind of relationships do you want with your family? What will you stand for? How will you contribute to your community? The path you choose today can shape you forever. It's both frightening and exciting that we have to make so many vital decisions when we're so young and full of hormones, but such is life. Imagine an 80-foot rope stretched out before you. Each foot represents one year of your life. Teenagehood is only seven years, such a short span of rope, but those seven affect the remaining 61 for good or bad in such a powerful way. What about friends? Take your choice of friends as an example. What a powerful influence they ha can have on your attitude, reputation, and direction. The need to be accepted and be part of a group is powerful, but too often we choose our friends based on whoever will accept us, and that's not always good. For example, to be accepted by the kids who do drugs, all you have to do is do drugs yourself. It's hard, but sometimes it's better to have no friends for a time than to have the wrong friends. The wrong group can lead you down all kinds of paths you really don't want to be on. And retracing your steps can be a long and hard journey. I have a close friend who fortunately had enough common sense to drop his old friends for some new ones, and he shared the following. 
The summer before my senior year, I had a really good friend named Jack. The month before school started, he went to Europe and to my surprise came back with a powerful drug called hashish. Neither of us had ever experimented with drugs before. He began to invite me to join him in using this drug with a group of his new friends. He also started the 24 Club, where you would sit in a circle and drink 24 tall bottles of beer one after another until they were gone. I knew there was no future in any of it and that eventually he would self-destruct if he continued using these drugs. However, he had been my best friend since grade school and I didn't have a lot of other close friends. I didn't want to be a loner, but I also didn't want to end up where I thought Jack was going. I remember finally deciding, sadly, that it was just too risky to hang out with him anymore. And so my senior year, I had to start over making friends. At first I felt awkward, didn't fit in, and felt dumb being alone. But after a few months, I made friends with guys who had similar values and were also a lot of fun. My old friend Jack turned into a druggie, barely graduated, and eventually drowned in a swimming pool while he was intoxicated. It was very sad, but I was grateful I had the guts to stick with the right decision and think long term at a crucial time in my life. If you're having trouble making good friends, remember that your friends don't always have to be your age. I once spoke to a guy who seemed to have very few friends at school, but he did have a grandpa who listened to him and was a great friend. This seemed to fill the friendship void he had in his life. The long and short of it is just be wise when choosing friends. Because much of your future hangs on who you hang out with. What about sex? And what about sex? Talk about an important decision with huge consequences. If you wait until the heat of the moment to choose which path to take, it's too late. Your decision has already been made. You need to decide now. The path you choose will affect your health, your self-image, how fast you grow up, your reputation, who you marry, your future children, and so much more. Think this decision through carefully. One way to do this is to imagine how you hope to feel on your wedding day. How do you hope your future mate is leading his or her life right now? In a recent poll, going to movies was ranked as the favorite pastime of teens. I love movies, so I'm right there with you. But I'd be careful about the values they promote. The movies lie, especially when it comes to issues like sex. They glamorize sleeping around and having one-night stands without acknowledging the potential risks and consequences. The movies don't show you the life-altering reality of contracting a disease like AIDS or STDs or becoming pregnant and having to deal with everything that brings with it. They don't tell you what it's like living on minimum wage because you had to drop out of high school and the father of the child is long gone and sends no money or what it's like spending your weekends changing diapers and caring for a baby instead of cheering on your volleyball team, going to dances, and just being a kid. We are free to choose our paths, but we can't choose the consequences that come with them. Have you ever gone water sliding? You can choose which slide you want to go down, but once you're sliding, you can't very well stop. You must live with the consequences to the end. A teenage girl from Illinois shared this story. I had one bad year my freshman year. 
when I did everything from drinking, drugs, older guys, bad crowds, etc., mostly because I was frustrated and unhappy. It just lasted a year, but I am still paying for those past mistakes. No one forgets, and it's hard to have to deal with a past you aren't too proud of. I feel as though it will haunt me forever. All kinds of people still come up to my boyfriend and say, I hear your girlfriend drinks and smokes and is easy and things like that. But the worst is probably the fact that every time I have a problem of any kind, I immediately think maybe if I hadn't done that, everything would be okay. What about school? What you do about your schooling can also shape your future in a major way. Krista's experience goes to show how beginning with the end in mind in your educational pursuits pay off. As a junior in high school, I decided to take an advanced placement AP U.S. history class. At the end of the school year, I would then have a chance to take a national exam to qualify for college credit. Throughout the school year, the instructor bombarded us with homework. It was difficult to keep up, but I was determined to do well in that class as well as pass that national exam. With this end in mind, it was easy to put forth my full effort on each assignment. One assignment was particularly time consuming. The instructor asked each student to watch a documentary on the Civil War and write a paper on each segment. The series lasted 10 days and each segment was two hours long. As an active high school student, it was difficult to find the time, but I did. I submitted the report and discovered I was one of only a handful of students who watched the series. The day of the exam finally arrived. The students were nervous and the air was thick. The test administrator announced, begin. I took a deep breath and broke the seal on the first section, multiple choice. With each question, I gained confidence. I knew the answers. I completed the section several minutes before I heard pencils down. Next, we would each write an essay. I nervously opened the seal of the essay book and scanned the questions quickly. I answered a question related to the Civil War using references from my reading as well as the documentary. I felt calm and confident as I completed the exam. Several weeks later, I received my score in the mail. I'd passed. So who's in the lead? The other reason you create a vision is that if you don't, someone else will do it for you. As Jack Welch, a former teen and current business executive put it, control your own destiny or someone else will. Who will, you may ask, perhaps your friends or parents or the media. Do you want your friends to tell you what you stand for? You may have fine parents, but do you want them to draw up the blueprint for your life? Their interests may be far different from yours. Do you want to adopt the values portrayed in soap operas, magazines, and on the big screen? By now you might be thinking, but I don't like to think about the future so much. I like to live in the moment, go with the flow. I agree with the live in the moment part. We ought to enjoy the moment and not have our heads too far in the clouds, but I disagree with the go with the flow part. If you decide to just go with the flow, you'll end up where the flow goes, which is usually downhill, often leading to a big pile of sludge and a life of unhappiness. You'll end up doing what everyone else is doing, which may not be your end in mind at all. 
The road to nowhere, sorry, the road to anywhere is really a life to nowhere. Without an end in mind of our own, we are often so quick to follow anyone who is willing to lead, even into things that won't get us far. It reminds me of an experience I once had at a 10K road race. Some other runners and I were waiting for the race to start, but no one knew where the starting line was. Then a few runners began walking down the road as if they knew. Everyone, including me, began following. We just assumed they knew where they were going. After walking for about a mile, we all suddenly realized that like a herd of dumb sheep, we were following some doughhead who had no idea where he was going. It turned out that the starting line was back right where we had begun. Never assume that the herd must know where they are going because they usually don't. A personal mission statement. So if it's so important to have an end in mind, how do you do it? The best way I have found is to write a personal mission statement. A personal mission statement is like a personal credo or motto that states what your life is about. It is like the blueprint to your life. Countries have constitutions, which function just like a mission statement, and most companies like Microsoft and Coca-Cola have mission statements. But I think they work best with people. So why not write your own personal mission statement? Many teens have. As you'll see, they come in all types and varieties. Some are long and some are short. Some are poems and some are songs. Some teens have used their favorite quote as a mission statement. Others have used a picture or a photograph. Let me share a few teenage mission statements with you. This first one was contributed by a teen named Beth Hare. First and foremost, I will remain faithful always to my God. I will not underestimate the power of family unity. I will not neglect a true friend, but I will set aside time for myself as well. I will cross my bridges as I come to them, divide and conquer. I will begin all challenges with optimism rather than doubt. I will always maintain a positive self-image and high self-esteem, knowing that all my intentions begin with self-evaluation. Mary Beth Sylvester took her mission statement from the Sinead O'Connor song, Emperor's New Clothes. It reads, I will live by my own policies. I will sleep with a clear conscience. I will sleep in peace. Stephen Strong shared this one. Religion, education, succeeding, productive, exercise, caring, truthful. I met a teen named Adam Sosny from North Carolina who was familiar with the seven habits and was on fire about which his future plans. Not surprisingly, he had a mission statement which he volunteered. Have confidence in yourself and everyone else around you. Be kind, courteous, and respectful to all people. Set reachable goals. Never lose sight of these goals. Never take the simple things in life for granted. Appreciate other people's differences and see their differences as a great advantage. Ask questions. Strive each day to reach interdependence. Remember that before you can change someone else, you must first change yourself. Speak with your actions, not with your words. Make the time to help those less fortunate than yourself or those who are having a bad day. Read the seven habits every day. Read this mission statement every day. 
So what can writing a mission statement do for you? Tons. The most important thing it will do is open your eyes to what's really important to you and help you make decisions accordingly. A senior shared how writing a mission statement made such a difference in her life. During my junior year, I couldn't concentrate on anything because I had a boyfriend. I wanted to do everything for him and make him happy. And then naturally the subject of sex came up and I wasn't at all prepared for it. And it became a nagging constant thing on my mind. I felt like I wasn't ready and I didn't want to have sex, but everyone else just kept saying, just do it. Then I participated in a character development class at school where they taught me to write a mission statement. I started to write and kept on writing and writing and kept adding things to it. It gave me direction and a focus, and I felt like I had a plan and a reason for doing what I was doing. It really, really helped me to stick to my standards and not do something I wasn't ready for. A personal mission statement is like a tree with deep roots. It is stable and isn't going anywhere, but it is also alive and continually growing. You need a tree with deep roots to help you survive all of the storms of life that beat you up. As you've probably noticed already, life is anything but stable. Think about it. People are fickle. Your boyfriend loves you one minute and then dumps you the next. You're someone's best friend one day and they're talking behind your back the next. Think about all of the events you can't control. You have to move. You lose your job. The country is at war. Your parents are getting divorced. Fads come and go. Sweaters are popular one year and on the way out the next. Rap music is a thing. Rap music stinks. While everything about you changes, a personal mission statement can be your deep-rooted tree that never moves. You can deal with change if you have an immovable trunk to hang on to. Uncovering your talents. An important part of developing a personal mission statement is discovering what you're good at. One thing I know for sure is that everyone has a talent, a gift, something they do well. Some talents, like having the singing voice of an angel, attract a lot of attention. But there are many other talents, maybe not as attention-grabbing, but every bit as important, if not more. Things like being skilled at listening, making people laugh, giving, give, forgiving, drawing, or just being nice. Another truth is that we all blossom at different times. So if you're a late bloomer, relax. It may take you a while to uncover your talents. After carving a beautiful sculpture, Michelangelo was asked how he was able to do it. He replied by saying that the sculpture was already in the block of granite from the very beginning. He just had to chisel off everything else around it. Likewise, Viktor Frankl, a famous Jewish-Austrian psychiatrist who survived the death camps of Nazi Germany, taught that we don't invent our talents in life, but rather we detect them. In other words, you are already born with your talents. You just need to uncover them. I'll never forget my experience with finding a talent I never thought I had. To fulfill Mr. Williams' creative writing assignment for freshman English, I excitedly turned in my first high school paper entitled, The Old Man and the Fish. It was the same story my father had often told me at night while I was growing up. I just assumed he had made it up. He didn't bother telling me he had stolen the plot directly from Ernest Hemingway's award-winning novel, The Old Man and the Sea. I was shocked when my paper was returned with the remarks. 
Sounds a bit trite, like Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea. Who's this guy Hemingway, I thought, and how come he copied my dad? That was my poor start to four years of rather boring high school English classes, which were about as exciting to me as a clump of dirt. It wasn't until college when I took a short story class from a remarkable professor that I began to detect my passion for writing. If you can believe it, I even majored in English. Mr. Williams would have died. Thank <laughs> you.